Jeffrey Epstein has committed suicide in prison, if you get my meaning. The billionaire pimp who supplied underage girls to some of the most powerful and dangerous former presidents from Arkansas in the country was found dead in his cell where he had been under round-the-clock suicide watch and yet still managed to smuggle in a gun and shoot himself twice in the back of the head. Video footage of the suicide was pixelated and unwatchable, but acting prison warden Sidney Blumenthal told sniggering reporters that Epstein left a suicide note saying, quote, I am taking my own life with no help from anyone, especially not any old friend who has been wrongly accused of having banged every 15-year-old he could lay his hands on just because he visited my private orgy island, which he never did. Because I no longer wanted to be a burden to such a fine individual by causing him to live in fear of dying in prison if I told all the untrue things I know about him, I am shooting myself twice because the first bullet didn't do the trick. Love, Jeff. Unquote. Former President Bill Clinton had earlier denied any wrongdoing in the Epstein case, saying, quote, I did not have sex with all those women, depending on what the meaning of not is. Jeffrey is just a good friend, and it will be a terrible thing when he commits suicide, unquote. On hearing of Epstein's death, however, Clinton did release a statement saying, quote, on a beautiful, beautiful day such as this, I just want to focus on the pure miracle of being alive and able to go anywhere I please without a worry in the world, unquote. Prison authorities say they will investigate Epstein's death until people forget the whole thing and then release an implausible statement on a Friday night when no one's paying attention and then use the phrase conspiracy theory a lot whenever anyone guesses the truth. Vince Foster was unavailable for comment. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky dunky Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. So here's a good story you won't hear anywhere else. I recently finished the final script for Another Kingdom 3, the last season of my fantasy suspense podcast starring the imitable Michael Knowles. I completed the first draft months ago and outlined the plot years ago, so it's been in the works a long time. And without giving too much away, I can say that it involves a billionaire who provides his rich and famous pals with underage kids they can use sexually and then tries to cover it up by hanging a witness in prison and passing it off as a suicide. Jeffrey Epstein never once came into my mind when I was writing this, and I wasn't thinking about him at all. So how did I make this Epstein-like story up before it happened? One theory is that I'm a prophetic genius. That's my preferred explanation. Another is that anyone could see it coming. I don't buy that at all. But a reasonable explanation is this. I am a top-notch artist, and as such, I'm a terrific observer of the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. I can see that our elites have become so detached from the lives of the rest of us that their own corruption has become invisible to them. I know that corruption usually involves the abuse of power, and I know that one of everyone's favorite abuses of power is the sexual abuse of the powerless and the young. The prison suicide thing was just a good guess. The sexual abuse of young people is endemic to elite society. Don't get me wrong, it happens among the poor too, but the poor aren't our leaders and thought leaders. The poor aren't asking to run the place. The poor don't want to take our guns away so we can't defend ourselves against them. The poor don't want to regulate our speech in court and on social media. The elites do, and our elites have become corrupt, and their corruption expresses itself in the widespread sexual abuse of young people. This abuse is everywhere. We know it happens on a large scale in Hollywood, and as often as the story breaks the surface, it, get, it gets buried again. We know it happened in the Catholic Church, but it's also endemic throughout Islam and in many large Protestant denominations as well. 
And in the Jeffrey Epstein case, we know it happened among the rich and powerful, and no one gave a damn. Rich and powerful and famous people went to Epstein's parties even after he was convicted, imprisoned, and released for this abuse. They did not care. Why should they? Who was going to hold them to account? The press? They are the press. But it goes beyond that. The abuse of the young includes the claim that young people should be butchered or injected with hormones to legitimize the elite's bizarre transgender obsession. It includes the dressing up of young boys as girls to legitimize the elite's hatred of masculinity, the sexualization of teenage pop stars by powerful music companies to sell their wares is also part of it. So is the filmed stripping of young actresses by studios and networks to sell movies and TV shows. Our elites don't take care of our young people. They sell them to us and to each other sexually for a profit. And we're buying. Hashtag me too. This is not a disease. It's a symptom of a disease. The disease is a sick and fundamental delusion about the connection between flesh and the moral sphere. Our bodies are not pieces of meat. They are the expressions of our wills and our spirits. Therefore, what we do with our bodies has moral meaning. If I put my hand on your throat, that has moral meaning. If I put my lips on your forehead, that also has moral meaning. We all know this. But suddenly, when it comes to sex, our elites tell us we can turn that moral meaning off. They tell us we can perform the most intimate actions of all without consequences. We can even kill the babies sex creates without a qualm. Because they want the sex. They want the power. They want the money. And we let them have it. This is not a call for prudery. Pretty young people are an adornment to the world, and sexual attraction is part of the human story. But those very facts call on us to promote modesty, honor, and moral restraint in ourselves and in our leaders as part of our daily lives. I was kidding around about Bill Clinton killing Epstein. I don't need a conspiracy theory to explain his death or his life. In a society without modesty or honor, we are the conspiracy. We needed him to die before he exposed us all. All right, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but first let me talk about Raycon. I love, you know, I actually carry these Raycon things around in my briefcase, so I always have them with me. Raycon, these are Raycon earbuds. Uh, they started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And I can tell you, if I can open this, you can see they look better and they just fit better than the earbuds you're probably, the wireless earbuds you're probably wearing uh, now. And the sound is great. They, sa they say they sound just as amazing uh, as other wireless earbuds, but I think they sound better because they cushion your ear more. Raycon's E50 wireless earbuds have totally changed the game for me. They're so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere, as you see I do. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems, and they don't just look great, they sound great, but also they have a adjustable uh, ends so that you can get the size you want. Um, they come in a range of fun colors and, and at unbeatable price. Uh, go to buyraycon.com slash Clavin to get 15% off your order. That's buy, B-U-Y, raycon.com slash Clavin for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buy, B-U-Y, raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Clavin. And I know you're thinking, you left out Clavin. How do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Clavin. I just make it, it looks easy when I do it. That's all. So our friend Jeffrey Epstein is in prison, right? And this is a federal jail in Manhattan. And this is the place where they send guys like mobsters and so forth, high level guys who need protection. And they're supposed to be able to protect them, right? And a couple of weeks ago, 
It's just so you have the whole story. Epstein was taken to the hospital with bruises on his neck. Uh, we don't even know whether he was attacked or whether he tried to commit suicide uh, then. We just don't know the answer. Uh, he was then put on suicide watch, right? So suicide watch, <laughs> you know, it's not what you think it is. It usually means what they do is they train another prisoner uh, who, who knows how to do this, and they put him on a stool, and he looks at you and takes notes uh, while you're in your cell, okay? And, uh, and there's people coming by. Guards are supposed to come by. Uh, and after this, he was taken off, I think about five days ago, six days ago, he was taken off suicide watch. Now, there's one source who said he was taken off at the request of his lawyers. You can understand why a guy would not want to be on suicide watch, have somebody look at you 24-7. Uh, it's very understandable that you want to ask, but that doesn't mean that the authority should do it when you're a guy you are this guy who was hanging around with some of the most powerful, influential, famous, and therefore dangerous people in the country. Uh, and had uh, there was talk that he was about to turn evidence to get a lighter sentence. And so this is a guy you want to protect, right? But even if he's off suicide watch, what they do after they take you off suicide watch is they're supposed to put another prisoner in there as your cellmate so that you have somebody in there, first of all, to keep you company so you're less likely to commit suicide, but also to keep an eye on you. And then every 30 minutes, a guard is supposed to come by and look at him. According to sources, sources reported in both the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, this wasn't going on. He was alone in his cell and no guards had come and looked at him for hours. All right. So this is a huge huge deal. Uh, they didn't have video on him, although they did get earlier uh, videotape of Bill Clinton's lawyer uh, coming in and talking to him for a minute. We have some of that. On a plot against the emperor failed. Plotters were always given a chance to let the families keep their fortunes. Yeah, but only the rich guys, Tom. The little guys, they got knocked off and all their estates went to the emperors. Unless they went home and they killed themselves, then nothing happened. And their families, their families were taken care of, Tom. That was a good break. Nice deal. <laughs> All right. I'm joking. I mean, you know, I have a rule. This is true. I have a rule that I never make jokes when anyone dies. Even if I don't like him, it doesn't matter. I don't make sure. But obviously with Jeffrey Epstein, you can make an exception. Uh, there's no loss here uh, to anyone. It's kind of like when uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was killed in prison. Whitey Bulger uh, was killed in prison. But those are different situations, by the way, because when they were killed, you know, somebody said, how could they, how could somebody have gotten to Jeffrey Dahmer uh, to kill him. This, this is the, that horrifying serial killer uh, in prison. And I said, it was easy. They said to the guard, excuse me, guard, can I get past here so I can kill Jeffrey Dahmer? And the guard said, sure, go ahead. This is different, right? This is not a guy. This is not a guy you want to die. This is a guy you want to be around to turn states and evidence and talk about the people uh, who he was servicing with these underage girls, right? Now, they're going to have an autopsy. I don't think they've had the autopsy yet, but there's going to be a doctor present from the lawyers, a very well-respected forensic doctor. I'm sure the autopsy will be... Um, you know, the real deal. And I'm sure it'll show he hanged himself. I'm sure he actually hanged himself. But but playing that Godfather tape makes the point that there are all kinds of reasons you can hang yourself. But that's actually not my point. My point is this, okay? These guys are under, the prison's understaffed. They're incompetent. But this is an incompetence of such a vastness, of such a huge, uh, it's, it's the scope of this incompetence is so huge and the indifference to what was obviously going to happen, what anybody could have told you was going to happen, was so huge. I mean, 
people who uh, are in prison for sex crimes, they are a high risk for suicide. This, again, here's a guy whose you know, loved ones may have been in danger from the people he was servicing, who was telling him, hey, you, know, you don't want to talk about this, you want to disappear. Obviously, this guy is a high risk to die. In one way or another, he is a high risk to die. It's so vast that it speaks to something almost unconscious. It speaks to something almost societal that we would let this guy slip through our grasp, right? I mean, you can blame anybody you want. You can make jokes about Bill Clinton, but there's something wrong with the society that lets this guy go because this guy was at the core of, of a huge, huge operation to service some of the highest people in the country. I mean, they keep pointing out, uh, the New York Times loves to point out that Trump was hanging out with him, but really Trump was not hanging out with him anywhere near as much as Bill Clinton. And there were a lot of other people. You know, a few days ago, uh, there was uh, one, a woman, uh, Virginia Jeffrey, I think her name is, uh, and she had sued uh, here's another name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Ghislaine Maxwell. And she was obviously the daughter of Robert Maxwell, the disgraced uh, uh, media mogul uh, who had, after his death, they said he had uh, played fast and loose with the finances of his uh, media empire. But she had become the girlfriend of Epstein and has been accused repeatedly of being uh, the woman who went out and pulled some of these young girls in and groomed them for their sexual abuse. And some says, say also joined in uh, the sexual abuse of them. And we, you know, the thing about this is the reason it's so hard to get a guy like Epstein is we call this abuse and we call it rape and it is those things, but it's not necessarily those things because the girls were unwilling or because they said, no, no, please don't make me do this. A lot of times they are pulled in and sucked into this. It's a moral abuse, right? It's not like, it's not like abusing little children, which is a sickness in and of itself. This is a moral abuse. This is like these girls don't have power. They don't have, they're not old enough to make these kinds of decisions themselves. And th these, these are rich uh, powerful, older people who are abusing that fact in order to take pleasure off their bodies, in order to use their bodies. So a, a, a court released uh, 2,000 pages of documents from this lawsuit, which was settled, by the way. This was, the lawsuit was settled. Um, she said, th this woman, Virginia Jeffrey, said that uh, in several depositions that Maxwell uh, and Epstein trafficked her to powerful men for sex. In 2016, she said Maxwell specifically instructed her to serve former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, uh, Britain's Prince Andrew, uh, wealthy financier Glenn Dubin, former Senate Majority Leader George Mitchell, modeling scout Jean-Luc Brunel, and scientist Marvin Minsky. I mean, that is a long list of pretty powerful, very powerful people. Uh, she, says, she also says Maxwell and Epstein directed her to have sex with another prince, a foreign president, a well-known prime minister, and the owner of a large hotel ch chain. None of the main men named have been charged with crime and all have denied inappropriate uh, behavior. Uh, they te testified, there was testimony that a distraught 15-year-old girl uh, told him that she was virtually imprisoned uh, on this island. Uh, there were lo lots of other revelations that came out of this, and just, this is just a few days ago. So, I mean, you know, this, this stuff was hitting the fan. This was a real deal that was coming out just, to, and then suddenly this guy dies, and you want to know, you know, what the hell happened? I mean, there's so much pressure on this guy to be gone to be gone, to disappear, that when he dies, it's not enough to just sit there and say, oh, ah, well, tough luck. You know, heads have to roll, but it's more than heads have to roll. You have to understand what was going on. Was this simply a, an event cascade where one person after another didn't do the right thing? 
why was there, this is a federal run uh, facility. Why was nobody at the Justice Department making double sure that this wasn't happened? Bill Barr in the Justice Department says he's appalled. He should be appalled. But again, heads should roll and we should find out exactly what went on. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll go back to this in just a second because it, it, it is, this is, this sexual abuse is something that permeates, it permeates our society and it does it for a reason. It is part of a philosophy that serves the elite. Decadence serves the elite. Decadence is a good look for the elite. It means they can be corrupt. It means they can have all the sex they want. It means they can uh, have all the power that they want and, and nobody's going to say a word about it. And I'll talk about conspiracy theories in just a second. But first, let us talk about Rock Auto. Rock Auto. Listen, I mean, cars are complicated. There's so many different kinds of cars. People like to go to car park places because there's somebody behind a counter with a computer who looks at the computer and says, yes, what you need is this or that. It makes you feel good about it. You know, it makes you feel more confident. You don't need it. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need uh, from engine control modules. I know I need one of those. I have no idea what that is, but they have them. They have brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. This is whether it's for a classic car or for the car you're just driving around. Every day, you can get everything you need in a few clicks. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and of course, best of all, the prices are reliably low. All the parts your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Or if they don't have a How Did You Hear About Us, they may just have How, how Do You Spell Clavin box. It's kind of like a test. If you're smart enough to spell Clavin, you can get your parts at rockauto.com. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So, you know, First of all, you know, a lot of the stories in the press today were saying things like, well, this case is not over. This case is over. I, I, will be, I would bet money this case is over. They will never find, they will never find another witness like Epstein who has the proof. Now, anybody can make any accusation against anybody from now on, and there's nobody around to say that did or didn't happen. From now on, it's all going to be he said, she said. Maybe they can get this uh, Ghislaine uh, Maxwell. Maybe they can go after her. That's what some of the people are suggesting. But who else? Who else is going to have the evidence? How are they going to construct the evidence they need to get these people? People so powerful, whose lawyers are so good, this case is over. This guy, I, I'm telling you, I, I will be shocked if anybody pays the price for this. And so now everybody starts to say, oh, the conspiracy theories, instant conspiracy theories. Everybody is going to, uh, you know, have a conspiracy theory. And of course, President Trump, you know it, he's got to be there. He retweeted uh, something that showed, uh, it said Bill Clinton, the Bill Clinton body count. We'll talk about that. Michael Knowles is going to come on and talk about the Bill Clinton body count because it is a funny story. But Donald Trump, who, you know, one of the things about Trump is that he has no sense that he is now president of the United States with special responsibilities. That sense has grown on him a little bit, but he's still doing, it's one thing for a billionaire playboy to be tweeting out about Barack Obama's birth certificate. Uh, it is another thing for a presidential candidate to be saying that Ted Cruz's father killed Kennedy or whatever crazy stuff that was. That's really bad. But now you're president of the United States. One of the things I kind of enjoy about Trump is that he remains this guy from Queens who'll pick up a Marine's hat, who'll chase after a Marine's hat when it blows off and put it back on his head. But the flip side of that, the bad side of that, is like he has this moral power, this moral voice now that uh, 
he doesn't he doesn't actually take into account when he tweets something like this. Bill Clinton, I, I sincerely doubt that this was a murder committed by Bill Clinton's agents, but he tweeted that around the Clinton body count. But here's the thing. Jake Tapper went after him. Play the piece of Jake Tapper excoriating the president for this. This is, of course, not the first time that President Trump has chosen to use his amplified voice to spread conspiracies. He lied about President Obama's birthplace. He suggested Ted Cruz's father might have been involved in the JFK assassination. He lied that he saw American Muslims in New Jersey on TV celebrating 9-11 when there is no such tape. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Jake Tapper is part of the problem. And I don't mean to pick him out personally. He is in a corrupt business. He is in a business that now lies every day. They are in the business of lies. Many of them are lies by omission, but they're still lies. So he is now the representative of a business that legitimizes what Trump does because there are so many lies opposed to him that when he, you know, he just says this stuff, it's really different. You want to talk about a conspiracy theory? Talk about Russian collusion. Two years of Russian collusion. Two years of us telling, you know, that that montage, I don't have it set up now, but that montage of like the end is near, the walls are closing in, this is the beginning of the end, this is the end of the Trump presidency, two and a half years. And the New York Times, just as responsible, every single one, and he's on CNN, Jake Tapper's on CNN. So when you talk about the president using his powerful voice, his massive platform to put forward, to retweet a conspiracy theory, fair enough, but you're in a business that did that every day, every single day. And I never heard, you know, the the Democrat candidates, first of all, not only the Democrat candidates, but the press are continually still saying that Donald Trump said that there were fine people among the neo-Nazis, which he did not say, which he clarified he wasn't saying when he said the words fine people. They're still selling that. They're still selling that lie. So how is that not part of the same idea? And then you say to us, oh, but don't you have conspiracy theories? Conspiracy theories are only for us. We're the media. Stand back. The conspiracy theories, the Russian collusion, that's just us. We're allowed to do that. But if you do it, you're a bad guy, you know? Michael Brown, the killing that destroyed Ferguson. Barack Obama put forward that conspiracy theory. Barack Obama sold the idea that the police are racist. You know, I, listen, I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that the experience of black people with the police is different than the experience of white people with the police. That is not necessarily racism. That is caused by the bad guys who, who are black, who commit crimes, and they make it tough for, for all the, the majority of people who are good people just trying to uh, lead their lives. The, the cops dealing in a black neighborhood are dealing with a different set of circumstances than they are when they're dealing with white people, and that means they behave differently. Those are just numbers. Those are just numbers and facts and the effects that they have on people and on the minds of police officers. So when you say to people that the police are racist and kill black people and black lives matter, but all lives don't matter, all that stuff that was sold to us, that is that is really destructive too. And that is a, uh, and that's a conspiracy theory as well. And it destroyed that town. It destroyed Ferguson. It still hasn't uh, recouped. But more than this, right, more than this, it's the lies by omission, okay? You read the New York Times in, in, over the last couple of days, El Paso, the El Paso shooting, El Paso, El Paso, El Paso, every single day, every front page, all the, the ways. Today, today, there is a thing saying that, um, that the El Paso shooter echoed the ideas of conservative commentators, right? Now, 
we all know at this point that the Dayton shooting was done by a left winger. I assume that his ideas echoed Bernie Sanders and echoed, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren. And yet, day after day after day, we are we hear the press telling us that somehow we're to blame. Right wingers are all to blame uh, for that shooting. But the Dayton shooting just vanished. It's gone down the memory hole. And so did all the shooting in Chicago, which, again, is tagged into Democrat policies. There, the Democrats actually have bear some burden of blame for creating the situation that's going on in Chicago. But, you know, Steve Scalise, who was killed by a Bernie, uh, killed, who was shot by a Bernie bro when he attacked the um, the softball game in Washington, D.C., you know, Steve uh, Scalise is talking sense on Face the Nation. First of all, I, I, my heart breaks, as everybody's does, when you see what happened. There's no place for it. Uh, whether it's somebody that's racist, that, that hates a certain ethnic group, uh, there's no place for those kind of attacks and attacking people based on, on their ethnicity. Uh, but to try to assign blame to somebody else, I think, is a very slippery slope uh, because the president's no more responsible for that shooting as your next guest, Bernie Sanders, is for my shooting. And he's not, by the way, responsible. The shooter is responsible. What we need to do is find out those people that have slipped through the cracks, and we've seen it, and shooting after shooting, Sutherland Springs, Charleston, uh, even in Dayton, he had a hit list and a rape list, and yet none of that was in the system. Let's make sure these background check systems work properly and are rooting out the people that shouldn't be able to legally purchase a gun, but currently are because the system hasn't worked. And so this is the other thing. We know, you know, we know that they're going after our guns. We know, you know, Jenna Ellis Reeves made this uh, point when she was on the show last week. It's that you know, they say, oh, they want to tighten gun security. And now Trump is saying, yeah, we want background checks and all this stuff. And look, there, there are sensible things you can do about guns. I don't want crazy people to be able to go and buy a gun. I don't want some guy with a swastika, you know, carved onto his forehead like Manson to be able to walk into a gun store and buy a gun. There are sensible things you can do, but you don't do them. You don't want to do them when you know what they're doing is coming after our guns because they don't want us to be a free society. When you, when you know that, when you know that, it makes it hard to compromise. How do you compromise with somebody who wants everything, who's coming after everything, who's doing it every single day? You know, you, you, you just... You just cannot deal with people who only see things from one side. The corruption of the press, the corruption of the press in this country is one of the worst things going on. It is one of the things that is so responsible for the division uh, between us, our inability to talk with people. I am absolutely certain that by the the large majority of Americans could sit down and discuss their differences if it weren't for a press that was all on one side, telling us that one side is guilty of murder, the other side, uh, the Dayton shooting, don't look, at, don't look behind the curtain at the Dayton shooting. We don't want to talk about that. It's absolutely absurd and obscene. And then when we say, hey, who killed Jeffrey Epstein? It's like, oh, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy, you know, you, that's so, that is so bad of you. You know, let's go back and talk about Russian collusion. And it's the omission stuff. You know, there's a story out from Judicial Watch. Uh, Judicial Watch has been going after all these papers in the investigation, uh, into the investigation of Donald Trump. And the first question is, is why is this blog going after this, you know, legal blog going after these papers, but the New York Times isn't? Why is that? Why is that happening? And now they've got this, uh, these documents, uh, they're called 302s, uh, that they are uh, 
FBI, there's summaries of FBI interviews with uh, Bruce Orr, who, as you remember, had a wife who worked with uh, Christopher Steele. I, I hate to get into this thing because I know how complex it is, but Steele is the guy who got that document, uh, put out that oppo research on Donald Trump, which has been largely left unsubstantiated because it's obviously untrue. This is stuff he got from apparently Russian intelligence. So Hillary Clinton colluding with the Russians to get dirt on Donald Trump that probably wasn't true. And then the FBI apparently used this document with the knowledge that it was untrue to get a FISA warrant to tap uh, Donald Trump, to tap uh, phone calls that uh, eventually affected people who were working for Donald Trump. So they're spying on Donald Trump based on the Donald Trump campaign, on a presidential campaign, based on this information that now we see they already knew was illegitimate and was powered by Christopher Steele, who was willing to do anything, anything to stop Donald Trump from being elected president. So I was watching Sean Hannity, and Hannity is all over this, and of course he's killing it, and he's kind of, I, I haven't seen the proof yet of what exactly what's going on, but it's obvious that there is a lot here that the senators and congressmen who are investigating this, who are conservatives and therefore have some possibility of being honest, uh, they're saying there's a lot more that we haven't seen yet. And I'm just watching Hannity and I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe he's overstepped a couple of times, but he's the only one covering it. Where is the rest of the press? And if you're not going to cover it, if you're not going to cover it, then you can't turn around and say Hannity is guilty of conspiratorial thinking, right? If you're not going to cover it, then he's the guy, he's the press. He is the guy doing the job. So it's all these people who have lied and lied and lied. And on top of this, I have to end with this and get back to it. On top of this, everything the press has sold us through the elites, everything the left-wing press has sold us has basically told us that our bodies suddenly have no moral meaning when we have, when we commit acts of sex. Only when you can connect them to some leftist, uh, idea, some leftist theory, is there a moral meaning there? So for instance, if a woman is in the workplace and you chase her around the desk, yeah, that has moral meaning because it's anti-feminism. But if you are walking down the street and barely wearing any clothes, that has no moral meaning because we, we don't really have any kind of, there's no difference between men and women. It, you know, we don't want to say there's a difference between men and women. We don't want to say that women have a responsibility to to respect the feelings and desires of men. Uh, we only want to say that men have to think about women. Look, look, our bodies are moral entities. Everything we do with our bodies has a moral meaning. And as long as the elites are selling this idea that when it comes to sex, suddenly that morality shuts down. If you need to get rid of your baby, that baby has no moral presence whatsoever. That abortion has no moral meaning whatsoever. As long as that's happening, guys like Jeffrey Epstein are just symptoms. They're the gigantic pustule that pops up in the middle of your forehead because inside you've got some corruption. We have a corrupt and decadent elite. They have lost touch with the rest of us. They have lost touch with the moral meaning of life. And Epstein is just a representative. He could move and act without any consequences because he was a representative of a moral philosophy. And when he was in prison, it was easy for him to kill himself because nobody wanted him alive. I got to stop. We're going to bring on, what's his name? What's that guy's name? Michael Knowles. We're going to bring on Knowles and talk about, about the hashtag Clinton body count. Come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. You need to do this because you have money. We want your money. That is how this works. It allows you 10 bucks a month, allows you 100 bucks for the year, especially our friends at Media Matters who were watching so much of our stuff. I want to make sure that you don't miss out on this wonderful leftist tears tumbler. So you want to subscribe for a year at 100 bucks. 
it's easy. I think it's only 99 bucks. It's only 99 bucks. Send the extra dollar to me. If each one of you said, that's only a joke. I don't want you to do that. All right, Michael Knowles coming up. Knowles. How's it going? Hi, it's good to see you. So we've we've kept you under suicide watch for the last four years, I think. Uh, that's <laughs> true, and especially this weekend, because of all the awful assignments you've ever given me, this is the first one that was genuinely dangerous. It was genuinely dangerous to study Bill, the Bill Clinton that's body right, count. That's yeah. right, to check out the Clinton body count. And uh, fortunately, though, I did not commit suicide did, this weekend. Did you, so. did you hear what I said about Another Kingdom? The, uh, no, The plot I did not. of Another Kingdom 3? No. The plot of Another Kingdom 3, I don't want to give too much of it away, but it is about, and I never, Jeffrey, Epstein never entered my mind while I was writing this. And I, and I plotted it out years ago, right? Yeah, this yeah. is part, the end of the trilogy. It's about this billionaire who supplies his rich, powerful pals with sexual, uh, underage sex objects, and then tries to cover it up by staging a hanging uh, in prison and pretending it's suicide. I so, I so help me, that's the story. <laughs> so, you have had this eerie ability to predict it's, it's, things. It's that weird. Are, that is pretty... <laughs> Anyway, so everybody's yelling at Donald Trump for retweeting the Clinton body count. Yeah. It is weird, isn't it? Is is it me? I mean, it's a little weird. What? You mean how just everyone who ever meets the Clintons and has information on them winds up dead? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I am Hillary's third cousin once removed. Are you really? I am, yeah. That's true. Not by blood, fortunately, but by law and maybe by blood after I do the same. (laughs) Yeah, could you just sit a little further away? I know. uh, So... This whole story, it tells yeah. you a lot about the Clintons. doesn't necessarily tell you that they killed people, yeah, but it okay. does tell you a lot about the Clintons. This whole story started in 1993. The, uh, the, the, the idea of the Clinton body count started in 1993, but there had been a lot of investigations into the Clintons earlier, some suspicions about this, even going back to the late 80s. So there was this woman, Linda Thompson, she's an Indianapolis lawyer. She compiled this, this list of people called the Clinton body count. <coughs> the Clinton body count coincidence okay. or the kiss of death? Now, the, the, the work had been started earlier. There had been a writer named Danny Casolaro who had been investigating some of these Clinton scandals okay. earlier. And uh, coincidentally, he was found dead of suicide uh, by slashing his wrists each 10 to 12 times. Oh, no, you're joking. This is this true story. He had been receiving threatening calls before he left for a, uh, a trip to West Virginia to investigate another scandal. Uh, he was Clinton found, scandal or just... This was, I don't think, exactly yeah. related okay. to the Clintons, though he had been investigating specifically the MENA airport scandal okay. uh, in Arkansas. So he told his family and friends before he left that if he wound up dead, he wouldn't have killed himself, and then he winds up dead. Wow. So this was a, a pretty strange one, though oh, yeah. uh, it could be related to other people, not just yeah. the Clintons. Obviously, there was Vince Foster. A lot of right. people thought that Vince Foster, old Clinton and, pal, and uh, worked in the White House, had been suicided, though that does appear pretty pretty convincing. Yeah, what's his name? The uh, the prosecutor, Ken Starr. Ken Starr. Ken Starr. He said it was a suicide. He said it was a suicide, though he investigated he it. Didn't he didn't. Wasn't totally yeah. sure oh, at the beginning. To, you know, yeah. Then there was uh, Ed Willey, who was the husband of Kathleen Willey, yeah. who had been groped by Clinton. He committed suicide. Did he? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they say he did. <laughs> by, by riddling himself <laughs> he, with machine gun right. bullets. Yeah, he might have committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. There is uh, Jerry Parks, former security team member for Governor Clinton. On uh, September 23rd, 1993, Mr. Parks was uh, hit with 10 bullets from a 9mm semi-automatic handgun as he was leaving a Mexican restaurant in Little Rock. So that was a murder? That was a murder. Remains completely unsolved. Uh, His son, Gary, said that his father had collected a bunch of dirt on Clinton's indiscretions and that his father was trying to blackmail Clinton. 
We've never seen any proof of this, but okay. we do know the guy was close to Clinton. And this is what his son was saying you know, was what, happening. What does make me a little worried about some of this is that, like, the South has, you know, the, you and I are New Yorkers, yeah. and we know the mob, and we know that, you know, the yeah, different yeah. mobs that are... Different they, families. They come and in and right. take over. You know, the Russians come in, and they, yeah, you know. Yeah. But the South is an entirely different organized crime system that That's we don't true. know anything about. That's right? true. Yeah, yeah it, it's not that there's no organized crime. It's right. far from that. Right. But yeah, it's something that's a little foreign. And I th- they don't make a lot of movies about it. They make a lot of movies right. about the Italian mob or the Russian yeah, yeah, mob. Yeah. Not a lot about the uh, Southern organized crime. Right. Uh, so that's a pretty suspicious one. There was uh, Kathy Ferguson, wife of an Arkansas state trooper, Danny Ferguson, okay. who was a co-defendant with Bill Clinton in the Paula Jones lawsuit. Uh, right, Kathy, right. Yeah. Kathy was found dead in her living room from a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, she also <laughs> allegedly they, what, what, had a... Was the gun there? I mean, that, is this murder too? That, it's unclear. We don't know what, I mean, I, allegedly it's suicide. Okay. But uh, we, uh, she apparently had a packed suitcase, though, though we're not sure if that happened either. This goes on and on and on. I mean, yeah. there are like 30 of these. And most of them you can dismiss kind of out of hand. Right, right. Some of them are kind of weird. Then, obviously, this took on steam again with the death of Seth Rich, who yes. was that... Uh, so he was he was murdered. He was murdered. Yeah. They said it was a robbery, except they didn't steal anything. So it was okay. a robbery where no one took anything. And uh, he was robbed outside of his apartment. And uh, Except he wasn't robbed. He was just murdered. Right. After he was killed, Julian Assange suggested that Seth Rich was the one who leaked the DNC email. That's right. Now, That's right. look, yeah. Julian Assange is not exactly a trustworthy figure, but that was the story that went out, and uh, so that revived this conspiracy. So, and, and Hannity went after this in a big way and then had to apologize, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Hannity, yeah. That's true. He went after it. The family sued, I think. Right. Um, how does this relate to Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. Well, because Bill Clinton was very close with Jeffrey Epstein. There were a lot of famous people who met Jeffrey Epstein or kind of friends with him. Trump himself was friends with him because he was a member of Mar-a-Lago. Bill Clinton was really close to Jeffrey Epstein since the early 90s, not since after his presidency. Uh, Conchita Sarnoff, who's an investigative journalist who broke the whole Epstein story, she's the director of the Alliance to Rescue Victims of Trafficking. She pointed out the lies in Bill Clinton's uh, narrative about this. Clinton said that he had flown with Epstein or on Epstein's plane four times. Right. Total BS. Not true. He flew on that plane 27 times. Now, even if you're going to say right. it was just uh, four trips, but there were a lot of stopovers, at least six trips Clinton took with Epstein. They, uh, Clinton said he was always with his uh, Secret Service on board. Uh, what Conchita Sarnoff found is that that's not true, that there, he, sometimes he was with the Secret Service, sometimes he wasn't with the Secret Service. He said there were never girls on board, which he said is from the flight logs, not true. There actually were girls on board virtually every single time. Wow. And he said that he never went to the island. She says that she's got evidence that he went to the island as well. And if you go 27 times with the guy and he's got a private sex slave island, I mean, what the hell are you going to do? And, not and, go to the island? And you're Bill Clinton. You're I mean, Bill, Clinton. You're Bill Clinton. Clinton has been lying about sex Forever. Yes. I mean, this is this is the thing, and and you know, it, it really does get me. It, I keep thinking back to Monica Lewinsky, right? Obviously, she's a grown woman, and she can make her own decisions, and and uh, that's how basically Clinton got away with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you do have this responsibility. You're the most powerful person on earth. Mm-hmm. She's a, essentially a secretary. She's an intern. Right. You don't do it. You know, I mean, she's lower than a secretary. It's, it's the yeah. difference. You know, people keep calling this pedophilia, which I really resent because pedophilia is like this twisted illness right. that people have. It's a mental sickness. 15, 16 year old girls are pretty. You know, I, I get that. Right. I, you know, Post, post-pubescent. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's immoral, though. It's a, right. you, know, you don't you know, it's you don't 
like leave them alone because they're not. You leave them alone because that's the right thing to do. Because they're fifteen years that's old. Right. That's right. They it's, can't make these decisions. That's yeah. right. I mean, this is a distinction that is lost. You're, there is a difference between a fifteen-year-old girl and a five-year-old girl. That's right. That's you right. shouldn't sleep with either of them, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're a forty-year-old man. But but at least I mean, you know, the guy who's a pedophile is like, like I said, he's like the sick monster who's been yes. taken over. But this guy is just making a moral, a disgusting moral right. error. I mean, right. And so, the, I mean, there are, so, you could go, I mean, we could go here all day yeah. on all of these bizarre coincidences. Why did people immediately start passing around that meme of, have you seen this man in a Hillary Clinton's face with a mustache <laughs> yes, and sunglasses? Which is very funny, yeah. Right. <laughs> because we know that the Clintons are pathological liars. We know that they're incapable of telling the truth. We know they're rotten to the core. I mean, they're Bill and Hillary Macbeth for all intents right. and purposes. Right. And so there is a public perception that they would do something right. this egregious that's and right. this corrupt. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, which is really fair, is it doesn't speak to the idea that they murder people. Right. It speaks to the idea that they're so corrupt that it's it's plausible that, that it, they're it, so yeah. corrupt that Bill Clinton would fly on a known sex tra- yeah. underage sex tra- right. traffickers private jet 27 times, having known him since the early 90s. And this is the other thing that gets me about the, this uh, attack that's going on now about people against people who voted for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Anybody who voted for Donald Trump was a race, as if he was running against Abraham Lincoln. Right. You know, he was running against this desiccated, morally hollow pair of people who really have had power way too long. And they're only being thrown under the bus now because they want to get rid of them. They, right. were, they never, they, you know, the New York Times never went after them uh, when they were actually had power. Then they the were feminist really... movement didn't go after <coughs> Bill them. Clinton loved when them. he was abusing women. They I loved know. him. It's they amazing. embraced him. So it, it's, it, this whole story, I mean, you Hollywood couldn't make a movie about it because it would be too on the nose. Yeah. I mean, this whole uh, Jeffrey Epstein story. But it seems to me the least, I, I'm, I, I don't think that Hillary Clinton went in there with a crowbar and cracked him on the right, head. Right, right, right. But it does seem to me the least plausible <coughs> theory is that he just accidentally was permitted to commit suicide. You know, it, there's some, it's the, the incompetence uh, and malfeasance is so huge that even if it's only unconscious, right. it's corrupt. That's you right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. What are you talking about on your show? Oh, I don't know. Is there anything in the news today? <laughs> is there any? I think I might. Talk. There's this guy, this fella, he's an old financier who uh, ran the biggest sex trafficking ring in the world. So I think we might talk you about might, him a little might bit. Grab I'll, give, uh, I'll give my theory on it because... I woke up today and sweet little Elisa said, hey, I've got something for your show today. And it was a little tinfoil hat that I could put on to do it. We're, in a, we're all Alex Jones now. We are all Alex Jones. That's a good point. Absolutely. All right. A final reflection. Listen, I hate to go after people I like, and I like Essie Cup very much, but she is an example of something that I really have to show you. She is a, uh, she was a conservative commentator. Now she's on CNN and she's kind of skewed a little bit, but she was also, she's a person I really like. I really like Essie and she's uh, very nice, but she was always a big gun fancier and she was always telling me, I was always teasing her about it. She was always telling me how she'd gone out and hunted this and hunted that. And I was always telling her how, you know, oh, Essie, you're making me feel inadequate. And I, you know, joking around, we would have this joke about I, I talk a lot about what the press's purpose is in the constant, constant barrage of hysteria. That it's not, oh, we're going to win this case, or oh, we're going to convince you of that, or oh, we're going to make sure this is... It's a, basically creating an atmosphere in which people cannot think straight. Essie Cup, who was a big supporter of gun rights, uh, has been caught up in that atmosphere, and here's what she said about it. I am no longer an NRA member. Being right no longer feels righteous. The right yells slippery slope and hides behind the Constitution. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. And with the next mass shooting, we do it all over again. 
Look, I love the Constitution, but it's still a document. It's meant to protect human beings, real people, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. What happiness are we protecting if our kids are afraid to go to school? What liberty are we protecting if we don't feel safe at the mall or walking down the street? What lives are we protecting when we arm a 21-year-old white supremacist with 100 rounds of ammo only so he can go shoot up dozens of people at a Walmart, including a two-month-old child? I know I will be accused of letting my emotions get in the way of facts here. I've made that accusation before. But this is an emotional issue. How could it not be? Now, everything she says there is incorrect. When being right no longer feels righteous, if by right, she, unless she just means right wing, or if being right no longer feels righteous, then you are in an emotional atmosphere that is corrupting, right? When you start to talk about hiding behind the Constitution, when what you mean is citing the Constitution and the rights protected therein, it's not just a document. It's the law of the land. I mean, any law is written down somewhere, it's, but it is still the law of the land. It can be changed. The Constitution can be changed, but it can't be violated. It can't be thrown away. As I always tell my liberal friends, they always say to me, it's a living document. I always say, yes, but it's not a blank document. It's not, there is something written there with an intent. They meant something when they put it down. And one of the things they meant was that we have the right to bear arms in order to protect ourselves from the federal government. That's why the right was put there. It wasn't put there so we can hunt deer. It was put there so that we could form militias in our states to protect the overreach of the federal government. It is still there for that reason today. And that is why we're trying to protect it from a federal government that is overreaching every single day. Essie, I love you, but you got to get out of that atmosphere. That's CNN. It is corrupting you. It is the point. It is the point of news on CNN is to create that atmosphere in which you start to think that your emotions should be leading you instead of your reason and the law. I got to stop there. Knowles is coming up. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you want to delve the depths of leftist madness, head on over to The Michael Knowles Show, where we examine what's really going on beneath the surface of our politics and bask in the simple joys of being right.